Welcome to Pitch Session. That's Pitch with a P. I'm Kirsten. I'm Andrew. Um, we decided February, to drop, drop the, the umpire shtick because we just couldn't hit it, right? Yeah, we're moving on from that. I don't think anybody remembers that. <laughs> anyway, moving on. February. February. We are in Extra February. day in February this year. That's right. A leap year. We're going to wait okay. for a visit from Leap Year William. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we are, uh, we're still in our Olympic prep mode following along with the USA field hockey team who's currently competing in the pro league. So they are still, okay, here we go. We talked in January <laughs> and we are now talking the end of February and the U.S. women's national They're team still is in still India. in India. <laughs> At this point, I think they can apply for Indian citizenship. I mean, my goodness. Well, they I remember Kelsey Bain said, like, we're going to we're in a house now because we're going to be here for like six weeks. And I believed her. But now it's like, oh, wow. Like, think yeah. about how much has happened in your life <laughs> since the last time we recorded. Like, this is a long time. Um, but so they are I'll doing the pro this. league. Ranchi is not a secret anymore. India's best kept secret. You're talking about, or, oh, wait, no, wait, what is it called? Odisha? Was the, oh, ranches where they work. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. Od- you're right. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to recall the billboard. Rodisha? It was Odisha, I think. Odisha, yes. India's best kept secret, which no it is no is more. Secret. No. So, yes, the women's national team is currently competing in the pro league. They are still in India. And uh, their current record at the moment is 0-6. So they have been playing, I think in this round, it's China, Australia, and the Netherlands. And I think India is in there, too, in the mix. Um so as they're working to get prepared for the Olympics, we're currently being outscored 24 to two. Um, and we have been playing our, we've played our Olympic pool opponent, Australia twice. And so far we've, we've Neither lost. Neither has gone that well. Yeah. It's not going great. So on February 6th, we lost three zero. And then on February 15th, we lost four zero. Um, so that's that the status of things at the moment. Yeah. I will. So like, you know, we're taking some hits, learning some lessons, but let me just say, I looked at the stats from the pro league so far and the Netherlands is just, they are, they are just violating. They're on a different level. They really it's, are like, who's going to rise up and challenge them. Cause right now they are this point, okay, I think highest, goal scorer, highest goal score in the tournament. The Netherlands team is with 52 goals and the next highest goal, like team, goals are australia with 14 they've scored 52 goals to the next highest at 14 i it's just it's kind of unbelievable honestly. I, I think the only hope for the world right now is they're peaking too soon mm, oh yeah let's that could be if that's actually what's happening well that's i mean yeah i i it's it's uh it's doubtful. the world could be playing for silver but we'll see i mean that's why they play the games that's that's very true. So we are still in India and we have two more matches in uh, in India. The U.S. playing China on the 17th and India again on the 18th. And then after that, they'll do a brief spell back in the States and then they're headed to Belgium and uh, England for some more matches in the Pro League in their lead up to the Olympics. So and I'm sure they'll swing by India just for the heck of it at some point. I mean, they'll want to go back and visit with all the friends friends that they've made. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the matches in Belgium will be, I mean, in both European countries will be good. They're playing Belgium, Argentina, GB and Germany. So again, more Olympic qualifiers 
teams who have qualified for the Olympics and a couple people on or teams in our pool. So it's going to be a long road. It most certainly is. And, uh, the, the time zone in Europe will be a little bit better. Also, they'll be a little bit closer to us. Um, that's got to be tough on them, you know, with their friends and family. It's a 12, 13, 14 hour difference depending on where they are in India. Um, so at least when they're in Western Europe, it'll be down to a more manageable six or seven. So, Jeez. Well, and we, again, as we usually mm-hmm. do, we've we've buried the lead. Buried the lead? Well, buried. Buried. Buried is not a word. Buried. That's a pronunciation. I mean, maybe down it's here like, in the South. Yeah, buried. Buried the lead. You know, buried is what they said uh, if you played American University about 10 years ago and shot and your shot was saved. <laughs> you was got buried. buried. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a deep track for those listeners. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah, anyway. we, we buried the lead. What, what's the lead, Gabby? The lead is that late, or in this episode, we're going to be talking all about the Olympics with Michelle Vatiz and Melissa Gonzalez, two former Olympians and current head coaches. Um, And both Melissa and Michelle, it's going to be really hard. Melissa and Michelle um, played in two Olympics. So they competed in the 2012 Olympics in London and 2016 Olympics in Rio. And in between uh, got a fourth place finish in the 2014 world cup so just just to clarify sorry we're talking about melissa gonzalez the field hockey player not the hurdler because there's another olympian who's represented the united states named melissa gonzalez and it can often be confusing that's right so thank you for that clarification andrew um but we yeah we are so excited to talk to those two both had over 200 caps for the the women's national team um and according to Wikipedia are still active <laughs> on the, on the squad. Well, they haven't signed their papers. No, they haven't. Um, so, and you know, looking back, it, it's going to be great to talk to them about their Olympic experiences because they were such different Olympic experiences. So 2012 women's national team went to London, finished 12th. Um, and that was a year that the Netherlands took gold. And that time the, the um, team was led by Lee Bottomy. And that was so that 12th was, out of 12. 12th out of 12. And then so yeah. our performance in 2016 in Rio was much different. So we finished fifth overall out of 12. Um, and that was the year that Great Britain took the gold. And that year was also the year the team was led by Craig Parnum, who is still currently um, involved in the U.S. women's national team. I'm not really sure what his official title is at the moment, but I know he's involved in sort of like the coaching side of things from a higher level. Um so, yeah, they're going to tell us about their experiences, and we're really excited to talk to them. Same. Same. Shall we just get right into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We're so excited to be joined by Michelle Vatisse and Melissa Gonzalez, two former women's national team players who um, competed in both the 2012 Olympics in London and the 2016 Olympics in Rio, um, and currently head coaches – Matisse at you, or oh my God, I almost said UVA, played at UVA at Temple. <laughs> I did play at Virginia. I'm the head coach at Temple. <laughs> and Gonzo is, well, I'll say played at UConn and yes. now at Yale. So loves the state right. of Connecticut, apparently. And yep. according to their Wikipedias, both are 5'3". And three-fourths. Yeah, we're pretty tall, but, you know, fun size, really. I feel like you really just dropped that they have Wikipedias more than anything. 
Well, I was looking for like, it's really hard to find like international stats. And so I was looking at like your coach profiles and then I just typed it into Google. I was like, oh, Wikipedia. Hello. Okay. Very I have a question. I, I, you have to be honest. Have you edited your own Wikipedia page? Absolutely not. I don't even know how to do that. Me neither. I'm techno, like technology and me just, I don't know how to do those things. So. Let me go see if I can actually at the well, moment. I can edit it. You're right. Top right. I can edit it. Maybe I will. Well, and because Michelle, yours is apparently you're still on the national team, according to that. And well, Gonzo, you know, I don't know. You've got a, a fan because yours is way more up to date. <laughs> I'm so upset. Let me look at hers. Um, I never sign retirement papers. Fun fact. Um, oh, so it's correct. <laughs> it is correct. Is this where you're going to announce that you're no. going to be uh, trying out for the uh, Olympic no, team? No, but um, yeah, there is apparently like a, a document that you have to sign. Melissa, I, I also did not sign that. <laughs> <laughs> so the Are two of us, um, no, wow. I, but Maddie Zimmer has some number that I wore. I'm, you know, number nine is a badass number. She's, she's doing it justice. Very good. Very she's good. doing it justice. Like I said, I, you know, love to see. Someone who actually, I think, plays a sport very similar to me, like right mid. I played in the midfield. A um, lot of speed, a lot of pace injected into the game. She gets taken out a lot, like, you know, which happened to me. I mean, I would eat shit for a fair amount of times in the middle of a game. But um, no, I yeah, so never sign retirement papers. But my, my, my number's gone. Good job. <laughs> and I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's great. Have, you, have either of you ever met Melissa Gonzalez, the hurdler, who's an Olympian? A hurdler? She has a Wikipedia. Yeah, she has a Wikipedia oh. page too. I feel like I'm underutilizing Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you must say you're the third her. one down. You're the third one down. Found it. Wow, yours is up to date. I'm pissed. All right. Well, now we're up to date on Wikipedia. Gabby, we need a Wikipedia for pitch session. We do. I'm sure we could. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, this no, is quality content right here. Absolutely. Yeah, let's get back on track here. So we want <laughs> apologies necessary. We wanted to talk to some people who have had some experience with the Olympics, um, obviously with the U.S. team qualifying recently and pitch session, you know, making a trip over to Gay Paris. We want to know more about what's going on behind the scenes. So I think the thing we're curious about the most right now is sort of like what happens in the next five months and particularly like with roster selection, like when do we know when the, the final list is finalized for lack of a better word. And then what does that roster look like? Cause I know there are like alternates and there's people who can be on the bench and aren't. So maybe one of you could give us some insight there. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think so much of it is based off of coaching philosophy to a certain degree. So mm. Michelle and I had two different coaches for two different Olympic games. Um, I remember the first one, we were maybe two weeks out from before knowing our rock finalized. Wow. Really? Wow. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. We were, um, it's when we still had kind of the women's high performance league. Um, and we all were dispersed um, among different regions. And that was our last opportunity to be um, kind of critiqued and evaluated. And then at the conclusion of that tournament, uh, we had separate meetings and we would go in one hallway meet, exit a different hallway, and then we would know individually where we were. So um, that's how like that the red pill or the blue pill. 
And it was alphabetical. So you could do the math. Like it was, <laughs> I'm V. So I was the last person. Wow. Oh, like oh, I see what you, yeah, that's crazy. And so it was, yeah, a little bit. Anyway, Melissa finished because both are different. They're both unique. And I think both is like, you know, not, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Michelle, can you just remind me how we did the last one? Um, so the last one, Craig was a bit different. So Craig actually is on the staff with this current group. Um, I don't know what, in what capacity, but I know he's around the group and we found out. So the, the, so first to answer your question, the first five, the last five months leading up to the Olympics, what happens with roster selection is probably largely dependent on the group that's there on their readiness, on their experience level, on their skill execution, on their um, connectedness, a large about culture, what type of teammate you are, what type of person you are in that group. Um, do you have injuries? Like there's a ton of things that will happen in that five month period of time. Pro League kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in it. I'm not sure what that will look like, but mostly you're going to be in a heavy training environment refining and then as you get down to the event you're going to go what's in what's called it like a taper right you want to ease up and then early enough so that come time for game one you are ready to go um and we found out about six weeks before in rio and we found out via email i do believe oh, wow um this was which a did bit- you prefer which email or honest, red door or blue door um, I think I probably preferred the email, if I'm being honest. Um, but if you've watched the Netflix documentary on the U.S. women's soccer team that just went to the World Cup, it's also yeah. pretty, pretty informative. They found out via FaceTime. And so every coach is different. Um, I prefer probably the email. But however, if I wasn't selected, I think – actually, I'm not sure if I wasn't selected. I don't have that experience, mm-hmm. luckily and fortunately. Um but I think probably being told in person that that's not happening for you, like puts you in an environment where you have to be mindful of your response. And I think that that's hard when you commit your entire <laughs> adult life and give every you know ounce of your passion to something and you're told that, you know, you're not able to achieve it. Um, I think that that's probably life changing. Um, and so... I think there will be roster. I mean, if you know, I think there were some roster changes prior to the qualifier from, if I know correctly. Um, And that could happen again. I know a bunch of girls that played division one were called up to compete with the national team at the moment and train with them in the buildup. And there are chances that like, I mean, we made a joke, no one's safe. Mm. We constantly would say that like nobody is safe. And that just means like, you know, be professional in your approach and your recovery and everything that you can do. And I think that is the craziest bit about this. You could dedicate eight years of your life and not go. Yeah. So to the no one safe thing, I was actually going to ask, and you don't have to answer about yourself specifically if you don't want to, but how confident were you guys about yourself? You know, was there like, were you like, I should make it or, you know, I don't know. And was it different from 2012 to 2016 as you, you know, had been through it once? Yeah. I, like you mentioned the the documentary on the U S women's team. I also think a little bit about, and I know this is fiction based on a true story, but the movie miracle and how they put that team together. 
um, and, and how they cut it down at the end. And, you know, I just wonder how realistic maybe that was um, to y'all's experience or not. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, and I, it's so funny how some moments just stick with you, but I remember prior to um, us having our first 2012 meetings, um, we concluded our high performance. I remember being in the, it was at Maryland and it was in the parking lot and just having a conversation with Michelle and just being freaked out, just being like, I don't know where I stand. Like I very much felt as though I was a bubble player. Um, And so those are the ones that, Hey, I'm utility. I could play in the midfield. I made the team as a forward. I got my first international cap as a right back. So having the flexibility um, and that was something that was really hard for me to kind of not cope with, but just, transform myself into like, Hey, I'm going to be the best utility player. So that way I, that that's my super strength versus, Hey, maybe I'm not confident because I don't fit anywhere. So for me, it was one of those things where I had been in the group, but I wasn't for me confident that I was by any means a shoe in talking to Michelle's point. Like when we qualified in Guadalajara, I was selected, but there were also a lot of talented hockey players that were on injury reserve in our hockey group at that time. So, um, what's kind of unique about high performing environments is that like you have to every single day, control what you can control and just turn out performances at practice at recovery, um, making sure you're the ultimate team player. So for 2012, I definitely was unsure leading into that meeting so much so that I went in, they told me going to London and I literally like said, thank you so much and ran out of the room. (laughs) And And then I got to the end of the hall on the steps, families waiting on the other side. I was in hysterics crying. Like they thought I didn't make it because it was that much of a relief for me. And then later I was able to talk to some of my teammates and they had like 30 to 45 minute meetings with the coaches, but I just quite literally ran away after. So (laughs) that I think just is a long winded, um, just conversation and insight into those like really pivotal moments of like, I was unsure. Wow. And your families were there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, that's crazy. Yeah. And I think I'll speak on the second one. So Melissa and I both, you know, kind of have a very similar trajectory. I went back to college for the one year after 2012 to 13 while she stayed playing. So there was a little bit of kind of, um, well, we just weren't, there wasn't, you know, what's it called overlap there. Um, but I'll speak more about 16. So like our lead up from 12 to 16 or 13 to 16 to me was very different. Like I had a pretty significant knee injury that sidelined me 12 to 13, not sidelined me. Like I went back to school and had to deal with, or sorry, 13, it was in 13. Cause I went to the 14 world cup, but like, was it 80% ish. And so I had some challenges there that made me feel very insecure. I struggled initially like getting on board with like how fit and how hard we needed to work at that level. Like that was not something that came easy to me. Full disclosure. Like I was like, you know, they were dragging me, trying to get me to do it. And finally, you know, it caught on. I felt that I was able to, you know, maximize my potential that way. And then towards the end, like I got more secure 
but I never started. Melissa started. I I was the first one off the bench, always in the midfield. We played a similar rotation. So like I knew pretty comfortably that I would be on the field for a significant amount of time. I just didn't get to start. And like, you know, now we coach and it's very different like that, you know, and I try to relate to the players that I coach saying like, it doesn't really matter if how it's about your impact when you're on the pitch. So, you know, anyway, and even to that day, that last day, and just another kind of interesting thing, like when you play in a test series, you go on tour, you might sit a game, mm. maybe four game series and like two right. midfielders might be sitting out no matter how good they are. I mean, and like, like Lauren Crandall, who was like our captain through time, I mean, she sat out a game every now and again, like you just, so there's always these seeds of doubt that are planted. And if you, as a person, let them grow, it will consume you. Yeah. So you have to be very good and very mindful about coping with that discomfort, like sitting in it. It's going to exist. And I think the more secure I got was like I was capable of really seeing my strengths, utilizing them. And at the end of the 16, like Melissa, I mean, I, both of us, I think, had this very realistic like we were confident but there's always that doubt. Mm. Like I became a much different player then, but no, you know what? Like there's still this little freaking devil. That's like, you're not good enough. You didn't do this enough. You weren't perfect here. And it is crazy. It is crazy what it does to you. And I'm super like type a, but I've tried to live whatever the phrase, like think like Facebook's phrase is like done is better than perfect. Like do it, Hmm. do it instead of trying to live by this, you know, false sense of perfection. And I got better at that, but no matter what, like you're still freaked because you give up everything. You literally give up everything, you know, and it's like so crazy. It's, it gives you chills. You're just like, and I do it all over. Like I would never take it back knowing how it probably shaved years of my life. I'm being honest. I I was going to say, from the outside looking in, you know it's a high-pressure environment, but hearing you both, like, I don't think that, uh, like, people who haven't been in it can really understand sort of the, like, daily. No, you can't. You really, that's why. You're in a pressure cooker. Yeah. I think both physically, emotionally, and mentally, it was one of the most transformative experiences I have ever underwent. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Does it help or hurt your current jobs you know as a head coach with what are i mean i think anyone who plays a division one sport is an elite athlete obviously but not not necessarily to the level of an olympian um but i mean they are and and so how how does that does it affect your day-to-day do you think you would be a different coach if you hadn't have had those experiences you yeah. gotta go. You go first. Yeah. I was gonna say this yeah. is a podcast. They are shaking their head. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. No, no, it's fine. You're shaking our heads. Yeah, I think it's not easy what these young women do. Like they're balancing their academics. They're balancing being a young adult, being on their own. They're exploring, figuring themselves out. They're growing. They're learning. They're failing, maybe for the first time. And so, mm-hmm. um, having undergone that, and. 
hopefully not too long ago. Um, I don't want to age myself there, but uh, I think it's something that we can relate to and understand and appreciate and sometimes also normalize as well. Like it is a part of the journey. And I know sometimes it's made out to be this picturesque, perfect thing, but it's just like, a message we deliver to our athletes is just give the best of what you have that day. And that might look different all the time. So I think uh, for me, just the environments I've been a part of, like I tried to kind of a la carte pick the things that I thought were really influential and, and transformative. And I try me and my staff and the people surrounding these brilliant, amazing, hardworking young women to empower them to, to have those kind of similar experiences. So that way, when they are, are in boardrooms and wherever they may be, they are comfortable being empowered and awesome. So, yeah, I, I definitely think I can second that. They, what they do, what especially at Temple, like what we create here, the environment we create, they, you know, they have a big challenge out of them, right? Like we're talking 15 hours of class, and I think like they say three hours of coursework for each credit, 45 hours of work, study, you know, time that you have to dedicate to your course load. And then we're 20 hours a week of training, like, you know, and then there's this element, you know, where they get to explore their lives and figure out their career paths. And they have all these different roadblocks. I mean, 18 to 22 is hard. Like that's a hard age. And we are putting them in, yeah, like a version of a pressure cooker. It might look a little different, especially with the academic piece. Um, but I think for me, that environment, the high performance environment that I was in changed me for the better. It taught me how to communicate effectively. It taught me how to meet people where they are. It taught me how to be a really good teammate. It taught me how to develop a or at least try to develop a very good culture of community. Um, and I think I take all those pieces that I've seen and apply it to the environment that I'm in. Now, of course, there, we were not going to school, you know, like th th there was a totally different environment. We were 25 to 34. I mean, some, I don't know how old the oldest person on our team was at the time, but you know, that's a different phase of your life. And I use this time and my experiences to motivate, inspire, empower, develop, teach them. And I am very mindful to never, ever, ever like, you know, I, I don't know how to phrase it, but I never want them to feel unworthy of what they're going through yeah. because it's different, yeah. right? Like that's a very difficult place to be in. Like, oh, I don't, you know, I never, ever go through that. And if I ever made them feel that way, like, you know, I, well, I don't think I have, but so that was something that initially that was a challenge. I mean, if I'm being honest, like it'd be crazy to think it was, you know, easy to adapt to, to this, just, you know, to adapt to this environment. And I think, um, you know, you get better as you get practice in it. Um, thinking about y'all's Olympic experience, once you were there, I would assume 2016 was a little more fun than 2012. I mean, I don't want to speak <laughs> to you, but just... You can speak you know, for me on that, yeah. I, I'm going to assume that was the case. I know uh, you both scored twice in Rio. We did? Yeah. You did. Check the Wikipedia. You did. <laughs> so, Melissa, I, I kind of remember your goal against Japan. It was like 
10 seconds into the game. I feel yeah. like, like, like right away. I vaguely remember that, but I, you know, what do you guys remember? Is there something, do you remember your goals? Is there, you know, is there something that you take from yep. on the field that stays with you? It's, it's funny just because when you said that, I, had no idea. And then when you said, oh, okay, like Japan goal, then I was like, I think I might have scored one against Australia. Maybe. I think one was a slip flick. One was a slip flick and one was, See? I think, a one-time goal through it the first back. leg. And I don't <laughs> I don't remember. But it's funny because, like, that wasn't necessarily a significant moment for me. There was two that I think of pretty vividly. It's the first time you hear the national anthem with your sure. teammates there. So that one, you chills, you well up. It's like, I can't believe it's this euphoric moment of like, ah, there's a release of pressure, like just pride, like you're carrying your community with you, all of the people that have been so influential. Like right now I'm even getting emotional thinking about it because people see the final product, but they don't see or understand or appreciate that. Like I miss my mom's retirement and like, I'm carrying her on the field with me during that. Like that's something that made me cry. And then, um, and then, and then the last, the last thing is actually when the final whistle blew against Germany and you know, that's the last moment you'll share with that incredible group of women um, that one where you're just embracing and loving on those people because it's such a unique part of your life to be surrounded by women from all different walks of life with different beliefs and all of these things and that you just love them as if they're family. And so for me, those two moments are just so embedded and made that entire experience worth everything. Yeah, wow. That's I I agree with both of <laughs> I agree with both of those things. I definitely think that initial moment hearing the anthem is probably one of the most like empowering things. I think the sleep leading up to the first game is also mm-hmm. like a pretty not tough moment, but it's like it's the last, you know, the last time that you're, you know, laying down before you're going to get to play. It's like this crazy like you're trying to settle yourself, but you're you know, it's it's hard. Um, but yeah, the anthem, obviously, of course, is special. And I do remember vividly. I actually remember this more than the anthem, sadly, is when that final whistle blew against Germany and we fell short of accomplishing our goal to get to the semi. And that, you know, that game was brutal. Um, brutal. Like, just stunk to end. And I think had we have done, had we not have tied GB in pool play, Correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew. I, you you would know better than I did. Had we have not lost, who to won? Oh, we did lose. Okay, so had we not have lost, Alex Danson scoring that backdoor goal, like that will forever live in my freaking. That, you scored in that game. That's yeah. I think I game. I did. I think it was accidental actually. When I I swung on the ball, and you know how your hand will turn in your grip. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, Maddie Hinge like. If the professional side of the goal would have been the other side, and somehow I went to swing, definitely aiming for that side, my grip turned and it went. <laughs> you um, meant to do be it. lucky than good. Yeah, well, no, that's true, but um, yeah, it's but it's a special thing, no matter what. Like Melissa said, you, I think like the best description is almost like one of those. I don't know whatever the tree is, right? It's like a tree, and then there's all these roots at the bottom. Yeah. Or like an iceberg, you think about like all that you see. And I think 
people see the finished product, people see, right. Like the glory, right. They see, they're like, Oh, you're so fit. You guys, but like, you did not see the they don't years, see the 6 a.m. The years of suffering, not suffering, yeah. good suffering, proper suffering, the way that it was like, this is hard, but this is what you need to do. And we got the U S to a point where, you know, we were in conversation for metal contention. And that that is like one of the most inspiring things that will live with me forever is like what that group was able to do, you know, what that group was able to do in such a short period of time. That's the craziest mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So it's just, you know, have a tremendous amount of pride with those, you know, for all that we accomplish as a group. Yeah. And Did I mean, all- you bring up metal contention makes me think about just these two groups and very different routes to the Olympics, right? Like you all qualified gold medals at the Pan Ams, um, you know, fourth place world cup finish to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. This group, this current group is a very different route, right? It's kind of like a last minute qualification. um, And, and I think it's fair to say not something anyone expected. We're all obviously really excited and they have put in the work and are deserving of this, but it's very different. So like out of those two different, routes sort of you know affect the way you approach the tournament i mean you all probably can talk about how it made you approach the tournament from coming from a place of like representing your continent and performing well in the world cup so how does that like how does that affect how you approach the the olympics i mean i i I can't speak to the like last chance i think one of the one person that can is in 08 this is how they qualified Um, okay so that's, you know, this is something they, I don't know how, I don't know how it worked. It was very similar. It was tournament style. Um, but like I said, not super familiar with it. And um, yeah, yeah, you can go back. Craney would be probably a great person to talk to about that. Lauren Crown, she's on coaching, but um, she's wonderful. Oh, she, she helps with the masters. Um, I think they qualified in Russia. Yes. It has to be. Oh, really? I, I remember, here, I remember Steve go, I remember Steve going to Russia. Like I, I, I remember yeah. that. They did. They did. I remember there's an iconic photo of them like celebrating. And so that would be someone to maybe ask about that experience. I think for, you know, 12 to 16 or two, we could talk, you know, an hour about each buildup. They're very different. Just specifically to 16 winning in, we actually qualified for the Olympics before the championship game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we qualified without winning which was actually really cool. And I don't exactly remember why or how, but I think we were ranked high enough in the world and, and Argentina was ranked high enough in the world. So by winning at a certain amount of ranking, you know, we might've gotten more automatic bids right through the Pan American (laughs) continent. Yes. Because you both were ranked higher. Yes. We both were ranked. Like we were, I think ranked fourth or fifth at that time Mm -hmm. Um, with obviously, like you said, a fourth place finished the world cup. We actually won a bronze at the champions trophy too, which is in the lead up to Rio. And that tournament was special because, you know, it's the top six teams in the world. It's an invitation only. I think we want, we were invited because we won champions challenge, Melissa. Do you remember? No. It's okay. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we just show up places, which is great. Yeah. You tell me to where to go. Tell me where the um, turf is. We'll be there. And so that buildup was really about like 
talking about metal contention. Like, how can we put ourselves in the mix? We've already established ourselves as a top four, top five, great quality. It gave you a tremendous amount of confidence and, um, you know, just security and, like, you trusted what the environment was providing to you. You were you know, reinforcing all of these behaviors that gave us good outcomes. And so that I think created a very, very strong lead up. And I don't know if you feel similarly, Melissa, but. Yeah, I I think it's hard because again, we didn't qualify the way that this group qualified. So it's hard for me and probably Michelle to speak on how they're approaching things. And I think it would be unfair for us to do that with not being in camp and feeling it every day. I think what I would assume if I were in that player group is the destination is important, but so is like your arrival and they Mm. qualified. So now it's, it's, and I commend this group. They've had a lot of change of coaches. They've had a lot of excuses and they've put in the work. They've had that resilience. They've had that grit, which is really cool because I think those are the foundational cornerstones that the program has been uh, built on and pride themselves in. So like watching that was really awesome. Watching them throughout that entire uh, qualifier was really amazing. And so I don't know what they're doing moving forward, um, but I know that it is a unique set of circumstances, how you approach the games. And to Michelle's point and leaning on our experience, 2012, I don't think we really went in to the Argentina game, maybe being like, we're going to win this with conviction. It was like, we're the gritty underdog. That's our character. We're going to show up. We're going to do our best. And we're going to like give them a run for their money versus our mindset. And when you're talking about four-year development, we are going into Toronto Pan Am games against Argentina being like, we're going to win. So mm-hmm. it both were great results, but when you're thinking about the approach and the professionalism, just knowing where Michelle and I coming right out of college, I'm going to be realistic and really reflective and open and honest. I did not know what it took to be a professional athlete at that time. Um, And that's hard to say because sometimes you're so passionate, you're hard headed, you think, you know, what's best because it's gotten you into the proper situations, but you're like, man, if I had just done X, Y, and Z, could we have been in a better position earlier on? Yeah, definitely. And I think the other thing to point out what's like the other really cool bit that this group is going through. And, you know, when I reached out to those that I did have playing experience with, I was like, way to stay on board because you could jump ship and leave Mm. and be like, oh, wow, no, like this is too hard for me. It's too high risk. Like, yeah, sure. It's high reward, but they don't sit well with like the unknown. And I think there is a massive (laughs) amount of character needed to stay there. Right. You didn't qualify. Okay. You had a change in coaching could have very easily done something else. And frankly, you could go make more money. I mean, that's like also at the crux of all Mm -hmm. of this is you you're committing not only like to, leave your family, miss retirement. I mean, my husband and I currently, we we weren't together for a lead up in the Rio because it was just, it was too hard. And so you give up all these things that make you happy and secure for something that like you might not accomplish. And that is like such a crazy thing to sit with. But that was something I do think, I think, I mean, how many 
were on the team that didn't qualify. Is it three? Is it Bing, Maggot, and Hoffman? Are they the only three? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, sadly. But though, like, that is huge. You stayed and you finally got to be a part of history. And that, I think, kind of goes, maybe it doesn't go unnoticed, but like, you know, that's something I not think noticed that they, enough. Yes. And not like commended enough, mm-hmm. especially where we, we kind of live in this age where like, you know, sitting with discomfort is not normalized <laughs> and we want things immediately. And like, but yes. I'm just Instant saying gratification yes, is very important this yeah. culture of, you know, and I think that there is so much to be said for how brave they are, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. That's just for me. No, I think that's that's a a really important thing to point out. Not something I'd thought about either, but like to really stick with it for that long with with a lot of unknowns and the oh, amount yeah. of changes that they they've had to kind of weather. Yeah, um, it's changes it hard and change a pandemic. Not. I mean, don't forget True. that. I mean, True. yeah, yeah. Were, did did your game schedule allow you guys to participate in the opening ceremony? We actually chose not to in the second round. Okay. First one we went. Um, second one we did not. We opted as a group to watch it from the very cozy Olympic Village in the yeah. uh, athlete lounge room. I remember maybe we were doing we were watching it with either water polo or rowers. Um, a lot Something of people, like water. I said, and just just even the difference in those two things, like. You know, like, hey, no, we're, we're not here for the glitz and the glam. Actually, could care less about the gear. And, like, we're here to medal. That's mm-hmm. it. And I just think, like, I don't know, maybe maybe that was hard for some. And that stunk. And maybe they wanted to be a part of it. But we were like, oh, no, we'll be a part of closing. Um, I can't remember. Was- Did we have the game the next day? or I think it was two days. Two days, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think it, it would have, like, you know, maybe been okay. I don't know. I, 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 my memory maybe doesn't serve me all the time. I think the cool thing was is that that wasn't something that was dictated to us. It was something we all mutually and collectively felt aligned with our mission, which was to be our best and can control what we could. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we still experienced it as a team. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the, the opening ceremonies, like, is, you know, five percent of what you remember at an olympic games like looking back like i couldn't even tell you what happened in the 2012 olympic ceremonies couldn't even tell you i have thought about that like watching it from a tv screen you're like holy crap like this takes a long it's a slog it's a slog you gotta be on your feet that whole time and then you're like essentially at a gigantic concert which like i don't know after you leave a concert like think about how exhausted you are you're just like it's just it's really unless it's katie perry then you're then you're inspired you're energized Wow. I was thinking Taylor Swift, like with, you know, kind of well, in the sure, vein of what we're going with, but <laughs> she's not a firework. No. Oh, okay. True. True. So yeah, it is, it is. And you're in uncomfortable shoes. If I remember correctly, we had these like white, like dress shoes in 2012 and your feet are just barking at the end of the night. And it's really like, and, but, but those were things that we discussed, like recovery, prehab professionalism all of these things that like matter yeah really they matter so much and you know we obviously like i said 
the lead up and the approach was very different. Well, and in this same vein, like Andrew and I talk about this so a lot of just like the difference in Olympic experience between the field hockey team and like the hurdler. Oh, who runs one race at a hundred. Yeah. Right. Who, who runs like, an 18 second you... race? It's not till the second week. So they spend the first 10 days training like they were back home. Right. You know, like and maybe Melissa you're someone... Gonzalez, the field hockey player, versus Melissa <laughs> Gonzalez. Right. And you're right. someone for whom, you know, making the Olympics was the accomplishment, which, of course, there's nothing, you know, that's amazing. But you're not going to medal. And you know, you're not going to medal. And you're there and you made it and you run your 18 second or two minute race. And it is awesome. And it's like, Okay, that was my Olympics. It, it, but it's I think just what's, so interesting. It is interesting, but what's crazy is like both approaches are rigorous. Of course. Yeah. Like hard and exhausting. And we get more of a drawn out experience mm-hmm. and they, they have 18 seconds to live it. Yep. Right? Like that kind of sucks. <laughs> or the swimmer who's who swims on the second day. And then they've got two weeks to get after it if that's what they want to do. I and mean, people, it's do. Just, people do. People do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my my very last Olympic question is: Is there something when you think back, and it doesn't have to be necessarily field hockey related or game related, that you're like, that was freaking cool? Like whether it was an interaction or something you remember, or is there something that you're just like, that was awesome? Um, from the Olympic experience. Did you meet anybody cool in the cafeteria? (laughs) Besides, like, I think just the overall experience, the day in, day out, seeing family, I think outside of the hockey experience, it's really cool to see people who are extremely disciplined and, like top level and what they do and how like the idea of an athlete is a moving variable based upon the sport as well. So you'll see really powerful, amazing people like, and then you'll see someone that's highly successful. That's also powerful, but they're a different size. They might be five, three versus six, five and the juxtaposition of that. You're just like, this is so cool that like, there are so many different people from different walks of life, different ages, different heights, and they all are just excelling in what they do. I thought that was really cool. So like seeing a Michael Phelps or the women's basketball team, like that was one of the cool things or just being able to watch who was it It was a tennis player that was training and everyone was like running to watch and they were just training openly in the Olympic village, just like, that was, I think, something that was pretty, pretty cool to to be a part of. I think um, it's hard to pinpoint it because overall it is, I don't know, just this insane feeling of community. Like, like Melissa said, it is the, the, what's it called? The high, the, the peak, right? Of your like career one of the peaks of your career thing you've dedicated your whole life to yes. whatever it is. And, and you have this insane almost like relief we're here we've arrived and like we're prepared i think like knowing that we were prepared was this incredible feeling um knowing that all your hard work would be validated and then overall i think like we had some dominant performances, which made me, like I said, very proud of how far we had come. Like to feel when you were playing against one of the top six in the world, 
that they had difficulty keeping up with you. And that to me was like so validating. I was like, wow, I am, I'm good. This is awesome. <laughs> you feel this like release. You're like, yes, all this work. Um, and then the other cool part is like my husband at the time we were not, we were just obviously together, but I was able to like guest him into the Olympic village and we were like walking and Tony Parker, the basketball, obviously from, you know, France or whatever, and a couple of other NBA guys like walked by and he literally was like, <laughs> he just like couldn't <laughs> believe it. He was like, is this what it's like every day? And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> so it was cool for me to be share that with him. And because my, my parents actually didn't go. Um, and he was the only person in my life that made the trip. And really it came down to like my parents, like it was just expensive. I think my parents, yeah, it was, it is, it is very expensive. Um, yeah. And so he was there and that was nice to be able to share that with him. I think that was That's like a really- cool moment. Yeah. I, I got to do that at the, uh, in Toronto at the Pan Am games. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it was very cool. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. Very cool. And, you know, you're, and that's where, like, you start to see, like, all these, you know, famous um, people that you're like, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It was very cool. Yeah. So, uh, talk about for a second your teams, whoever wants to go first. What, uh, what's happening? You got spring starting soon, I assume, or already started maybe with practice. Mish, you, you up? Okay. Um, I was going to try to just be stubborn and, and hold out and finally <laughs> have you cave. But her and I are both so stubborn that we would just sit here in silence for two hours. That's okay. Um, Kirsten and I would talk. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely in the thickest spring season. We started, um, I think it was third week in January. School came back a week earlier, but I gave them a week to kind of acclimate. Um, and spring's kind of long. It's very monotonous. And some of the feedback that we had gotten is just like, oh, it's long. We get really tired. So I'm trying to kind of be more mindful about um, planning the, the spring. But we are at the moment um, kind of moving to 20 hours. But we were in our eight hours a week, which you can use however you want. And we've been using them for lift conditioning and hockey and then having a weekly meeting. Um that we've actually been talking nothing about hockey. It's all leadership. It's last week. It was about, well, actually Tuesday was, you know, pre Valentine's day. We're trying to help them identify things they love about themselves. Um, things they're grateful for. And really it's just like community building openness, getting them to be vulnerable, honest with each other. And I feel like, you know, the girls have actually been loving it a lot. And then after spring break, we'll kind of ramp out, uh, ramp up into our competition season, but it's been going very well, um, heavy on the conditioning and strength building side, but that's hidden resilience training and mental Mm. toughness training. So, um, I, I love the spring. I think it's a great time for the freshmen to get, more opportunity, um, get a little bit more confidence. You have a more, you know, um, intimate group. It's smaller. Um, so there's a lot of development happening, which is, it's fun. Yeah. I'll jump in. Um, it's, 
spring is to Michelle's point, like a wonderful opportunity because our sport is almost backwards. Like you come into the fall, especially being like in the Ivy, you might have like 10 days before your first game. <laughs> and so when you're talking about like assimilation of like a group, new experiences, there's just a lot of newness and there's that performance kind of pressures of like, okay, we need results. But the spring allows that space to really just develop yourself. And that's kind of the mindset we've uh, taken with this group. And it's been an absolute joy. So um, I'm entering my third spring with this group. And from the moment I have arrived, me and the staff, they have all been respectful. They have been open to change, which we've already said change is not necessarily the easiest thing. Um, and this group has a really awesome mindset around improvement, bettering their best, being well-rounded people, the representation of this program, who are you when times are hard, and they've just time and time again challenged themselves and challenged the coaching staff in a good way and like hey we want more we want to understand this and they've just been like a well of knowledge so now in the spring we've done some work um with the group around what's called the FET it was pre-established uh since I've been here it all recognition needs to go to Pam Stuper and our wonderful alumni association um, and it's just an opportunity for our student athletes to um, mingle with our alum be able to have a speaker so Georgia Holland came back and spoke to her experiences um, and it's just an incredible opportunity that for them to just grow professionally so we're developing that in the spring um for them we have our lifting we're starting to get back into our hockey hours um but again we've told the group we've given them a lot of autonomy around like what do we want to achieve from this and we're kind of the managers and the ones that are gonna make sure you keep uh your side of the bargain and they've been great so it's just having the willingness to fail and and kind of just stretch yourself. So that's kind of, that's awesome. yeah, which, which I think has been really in, impressive and incredible. And are y'all gonna run it back against each other this fall? <laughs> Michelle? Yes, yes, <laughs> we are going to run it back. We are headed to, uh, <laughs> I know, clearly I don't do well losing. Uh, no, we are, we're headed up to New Haven. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what day. Uh, yeah. when is it, Mal? I think it's the end of the year in the fall. Yeah, we're Owen. Uh, I'm Owen one against Melissa, but you know, I did have my fair amount of W. Well, who's keeping track? Uh, I am. Michelle <laughs> is. Yeah. Lie to you. I bet you it's on her board in her office. Um, <laughs> that is no. so intense. Um, it's October 27th. There you go. Okay. So, here we'll, um, maybe we'll make a trip here. We'll, we'll, make make a game, we'll make it a game to watch. New Haven's beautiful in October, right? Beautiful. I think so. And 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 we when we were actually we drove through New Haven and we got um, New Haven pizza. So we always try to make a really fun, you know, really fun trip out of it. That's the great thing about college is you you can do a bit more um, community based stuff, which is cool. There's a lot more outreach. Like you know, we we do a lot of work with the Philadelphia community, um, and. Yeah, it's like I said, a, a really formative time of their life. So it's very important, and I take it very seriously to be a good leader, mentor, and person in their life when they need it. And you know, it's it's hard. Don't get me wrong. There's times that I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, this is probably one of the hardest things I've done. Um, 
including both Olympic buildups. It's different hard, but it's really, really challenging, but I love it. I'm, and they make it easy to love, you know, some of these, some of them are most of them, all of them really like are incredible people, um, learning about themselves, willing to get uncomfortable to help you willing to buy into what you're saying and trust you and trust each other. And it's been, it's been a real joy. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Very lucky. Well, you're even luckier because the two of you have given, you now get the chance at your third Olympics as a uh, normal people. <laughs> I was like, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. No, you're not. That was my not attempt as an at a really elite athlete, not as the culmination <laughs> of your life's work, but it's something just for the fun of it. What are you doing? Winter or summer? Your cho- your choice. For the fun of it? For or, the fun of it. Or maybe you think you you shock Maybe the world. deep down you're like, I could pull this off. See what happens. Oh. I think, I if think you they- wanted me to partake to show how hard a sport is put me in swimming i knew she was gonna say i am not a good swimmer despite many attempted swimming classes i just panic in the water like i sink i have it just is not a pretty look so swimming That or water polo. I feel like water polo. Water polo. Water polo wild. sounds horrible. Wild. Absolutely that wild. Like, like a really nightmare. They life. stay afloat the full game. I think if you wanted, yeah. I think if you wanted me to fail miserably, put me in like one of the combat sports. Like just, I would. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> oh, me and Michelle used to get into it just like in our free time, and she does not fight fair. She will like pull your hair back and like touch your feet, and you're just like, I don't even know how my body can functionally like this so it would, I think I would fail miserably in a combat sport absolutely like there is not a there is not a chance in my There's body women's wrestling now women's wrestling you could do boxing oh god no none of those things but all of those things if you wanted really to highlight how important how hard they are I mean, I don't even think I would highlight. I think I would just crumble immediately. And then if you wanted me to be maybe good at something, I think I could boss people around in a boat being a coxswain. I think <laughs> I could do that decently. How about just scream yes, at sir. them? I mean, that's like coaching, right? Like yeah. coaching, being inspiring. And you then keep rhythm. Hearing, <laughs> keep ri- yeah, I mean, there's a, I have no idea what it takes. But, but you think you'd be good at it. I just think if I there's trained... A chance. I think I could, I'm mouthy enough. Absolutely. <laughs> Here, I would try the boxing, but I don't think they could have headgear big enough for my head. So I don't know. <laughs> like they would need to special order it or something. No, no, they definitely have some. I don't know. Yeah. Flexible headgear. All right. And yeah. you, your hockey's are for the day. What's your rule change for the collegiate game? And it, stick, it sticks for the foreseeable future. And international, if you want to. I mean, sure, but but, I but mean, really, you're, the, you're in charge. You're the czar, so you decide. Maybe it's just for for you know children. I don't know. The Pee game. I don't think that this would be a functional change, nor would I keep it longer than a day. But I think it would be <laughs> interesting to see um, with overtime. If you started overtime full 11 and after every minute, if a goal is not scored, you have to strategically sub someone off. 
I think you need to workshop this with the Yale field hockey team and report back to us. What like, let us know how it goes. Saving, I don't think well, I'll What if selling someone off, there was a pit in the turf and you didn't know where it was, and a player <laughs> would just fall in every minute? Like, they're not injured. I'm not trying to hurt this, anybody. This doesn't but they're just automatic. They step on the pit, they're out. <laughs> that. Wow. And more pits show up, so like the, sure. the, the it gets smaller. Like but it's the, like it's, like, it's padded. Nobody's getting hurt. Like that's not what we're looking for here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we just need some a new element in overtime. I think. Yeah, I I definitely think my addition, and this is crazy. I told you my joke one would be like, haha, let the coach sub in. Like you know, that'd be fun. That's just me wanting the opportunity to play ever again, which I will never get, sadly. Um, But I think something interesting, I know like the short corner has been kind of talked about as like, are we going to go away from it? Because is it too dangerous? And all these things, I think, make it a shootout. Earn a corner, make it a shootout. Like, why not? Oh, that was a good one. That was solid. We're going to add that safer than proposal. Safer, higher scoring, a corner. um, Like that would place more premium on having a high level goalkeeper. And we would, like, you know, kind of have to workshop that skill more often. Like, at the, you know, that's like such a cool part of the game. And we only get to use it. Like, I think I don't even know if I went into shootouts last year. I don't think we did. I don't remember, That's guys. Shocking. Not... There were a lot of shootouts last and year. And then the year before, we had done, like, four. Mm. And our our season, sadly, ended in sudden death shootouts. And, like, one of my, you know, one of my shootout players, like, she could have ended it if she scored. And she missed it. And then they scored. And it just stinks. But, um, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting because you have to take it in a certain amount of time. You have to organize who's going to do it. You're going to do it under fatigue. So it just, you know, adds a fun element. But I just think That's only exciting. because, like – only because, like, if you notice, I mean, especially at the international level, even watching us, like, and Melissa knows she was the, you know, human sacrifice. You are running down the line of the ball to not let it go past you. Yeah. Like, your job is to get hit. That's your job. And yeah. some, maybe they say it in a bit, oh, you know, if you get in the way, that's okay. No, no. She was told to get hit. So it's like a matter of, you know, mindfulness of longevity of player safety you know mm-hmm. you don't even have to you don't even have to use it i do love a corner though i love a beautiful yeah. one i mean i i think like you're right the thing i because i i think about this a lot of like the safety element and like where we're gonna go but any new person who's never seen field hockey before and they see a corner they're like what is that like that yeah, is so cool true. like what is like why do you put those masks on like that is so badass and i always feel like that is the thing that's like gives us like some cred in the sporting community <laughs> yeah because um, it happens all the time why do you do that that's so scary but i'd be curious like i don't know looking at the data over the course of it even like if you did first corner if it's a recorner, then it's a shootout or something. Oh, yeah. just, Ooh, I like that. Do you know what I mean? Like if you just create an element, because at, at the collegiate level, we want to end games quickly. So, but we're hesitant from going directly to a shootout, even though that's what FIH does. And it's one of those things where I'm like, well, overtime is not the sport. It's well, a we, completely different game. Overtime is just very American. It's yeah. you know, the, the internationals come over. They're like, what? Yeah. Uh, you mean you're going to put seven of us, six of us on the field? I'm like, yep, have a go. 
<laughs> well, we talked to uh, the Allison Keefe. She's like, she does like analytics. And she, we were talking about just like the effectiveness of corners. Cause in the collegiate game too, like we get a lot and we think of it as like a goal, right? Like we want yeah, to no, and corners it's, and it's not that effective. So you're like, are there easier, are there other ways to like make the game exciting? That's and I'll not tell you, there was a very strong correlation with corner conversion and making the NCAA tournament. Oh, yes. And there's yeah. going to be corner conversion. I mean, look at the Dutch, like mm-hmm. corner conversion to winning games. Like it's no, you know, there's definitely a correlation. I think the challenge and where, you know, collegiately we are limited is really in like the expertise of, of a specialty flicking. Like yeah. that is a skill that you see much more at the international level. Um, I think Caroline Ramsey is the one what Cornell has, has yeah. I mean, she's a boss, Beth Yeager, who's obviously with the national team at Princeton when she could do it. But, and I don't know many, I think, uh, Ilsa Trump, the, the Northwestern yep. girl yep. Yep. is another one that can flick quite well. And so you see certain teams that have access to that, but like, that's where you see the separation. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, why not? You know? Maybe yeah. I should put this forward for uh, our next convention. Honestly, next let's doing. talk about it. <laughs> you have our support, which I think idea. will carry a lot of weight. Absolutely. I think, I think uh, yeah, it definitely would carry a lot of weight for sure. You know, what do we think? Do you think people would? I think know. people would be. Let's do I it. think people Either are scared way. of change. Absolutely. That's what I, I, I just. Absolutely. People want to do it how it's been done because that's the way they do it. Yeah, we're hesitant to change. Melissa said it. It's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think, like, well, I mean, every sport evolves over time. I mean, our game has changed so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was actually, when I was looking at, like, the difference between the two Olympics, the 16 was the yes. first time you played with 15-minute quarters, right? Yes. Like, that was a big change. Yes. And I think and probably played yeah. a lot to, to, I don't know, I mean, our advantage as a U.S. team of. It did. Fitness-wise. When, did the, when did the long hit? In the self-start role. Like, when was that change? Self-start was- started in 2008 in college. Oh, wow. Okay. I Interesting. So that was like the my long whole college corner was more recent. That was maybe like 14, 15. So that's another change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like- we do it. We've done it. And, and I mean, I mean, I feel like we're all similar age, but like, remember when you used to be able to just like smack the, the ball right into the circle from circle. the three hit, right? Like, or, um, yeah, when did that change? The five yard before a circle. That was around the time of the self start, too. Okay. Because I think they had to do it to like move the ball a certain amount that you couldn't just like run straight in the circle or something. But because I think we did it maybe like my freshman year was like 20, 2007. So. Oh, you were in 07? I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we are. We're relatively- we change. We change a lot. <laughs> but As human beings, we, we are. Yeah. Uh, we do evolve. Well, so we asked for 20 minutes and you both gave us way, way more than that. So we really appreciate you all coming on. Melissa we are ta- and Michelle. <laughs> so we are, ta- are we. We were like, our goal for this podcast is to do 25 minutes and not a single one has been. So we did do 25 minutes. We just did it twice and then a little more. <laughs> <laughs> also, you're getting us to talk about something that like. We yeah. love, we are very you proud should. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you, we don't get to talk about it that much anymore. And at least for me, like, 
No one cares. <laughs> well, we care. Someone cares. We care. You can talk about it anytime with us. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. We definitely, I, I can speak for Andrew too. I mean, we've learned a lot. So, you know, thank you for sharing. It's been, I mean, super insightful. Thanks for, for uh, sharing. Yeah. Thank but, you. And please edit right. out anything that's. <laughs> oh, no way. And I guess we'll see everyone on October 27th in New Haven. In New Haven. Oh, yes. Looking forward to it. Book a flight, Gibby. Yeah, I know. I need to come away with, I need to come away victorious. <laughs> we want to be here next year, one-on-one. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh Kirsten just took a side. I, I just like wow. competition. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I need I'd to say win. let's play You're the right. game and see it's what It's not happens. a rivalry if someone always wins. So, Melissa's got to throw me a bone, girl. That's very true. <laughs> Kidding. All right, y'all. All right. Have a good spring. See you uh, later. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was really wonderful. I mean, I feel like I learned a lot about the process that I was unaware of. I think the one about, like, you walk through the one door or the other door. Like, wow. what are we doing? And I mean, I mean, what I said when we were talking to them is that like, you do think from the outside looking in, like, of course it's hard, but then hearing them talk about sort of the pressure kind of puts a different spin on it. And it was genuine. It wasn't like, look at how hard it was for me. Like it, it was, it was real. That was, that well, was and very if you, cool. Yeah. And if you apply your own life experiences to so like to some level of that, where you're like, anytime where you, something is, you're unsure about something you've put a lot into it. You don't know how it's going to end. Like, but amplify that. Like, <laughs> I thought one of the, the best things was like Michelle said, you, you dedicate your whole life to this thing and you don't even know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Until it does. And like that, that like struck me, like it's easy to look back and be like, this is how I made the Olympics. But in the moment, you don't know if the team is going to make it. You don't know if you're going to be cut at the last minute. I mean, it's, it's wild. You know, the thing that really, I don't know, stood out to me as a thing that like really, I don't know, like you can really feel and visualize was Michelle Vatisting the night before your first game, like laying in bed. Ooh, like just imagine the sort of like nerves just coursing all the I'm going to be real. I'd take a pill. <laughs> you can't. I, I you can do drug sleeping. testing. You can take Tylenol PM. I'm not oh. saying... I would what kind of pills are you taking? <laughs> I mean, I'd take something because I'm not going to sleep. Oh, well, anyway, let's leave it at that. What a great interview. So glad that could give us way more of their time than we asked for. But, you know. You know, wrote, you know, and they were talking about shootouts. They failed to mention that one of them ended the career of one of the people on this call in a shootout. I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, uh, it was strokes, but sure. it was the same thing. Same concept, actually. On a very, very there, cold day in College Park, Maryland. There was a moment where Gonzo was talking about sort of like that whistle in the Germany game. And I, in my head, was like, oh, my God. Like the whistle that ended my career, it was you. And it was her was, goal. It was completely unaware of that, of her impact on my yeah, life. But that's yeah, what I was thinking about, I was about like, too. That one, that one like knocked me in the heart pretty hard. I, was I, like, I just yeah. Cold that day was. It was so cold. And talk about games that go on Forever. for so long. That game went on for ever, never ended. Well, it ended eventually. Um, and then I feel like everyone on the team wanted to fight after, but that's 
I yeah story for another but that day. was really that was I thought the exact same thing I was like oh yes I feel I remember that feeling very much so <sighs> but you can look it up 2010 American and Connecticut if someone really needs to look it up <laughs> um all right so anyway. we're now about five months from our uh our trip to gay Paris um I've been beefing up on my French I can say croissant I can say merci. So we're we're getting there. Um, and c'est bon, c'est bon. Yes. Ooh la la. Ooh la la, yeah. Ooh la la. Um, yeah, so we're getting ready and we're, uh, I guess we'll see in another, in about a month. We're still staying on our monthly schedule, but things are going to start to ramp back up as we get closer to uh, the big event this summer. And uh, so we'll I see. I think, like, March. an honor, you know, with the Super Bowl, everyone calls it the big game, you know, because yeah. they don't want to. Maybe we should just call it the big event. I think we should call it the big event. All right. So, as we ramp up to the big event, we'll be uh, we'll be doing some stuff, bringing some people on, talking and about the Olympics. Unlike the 49ers, we promise to know the rules of the game before <laughs> we get involved. <laughs> we want to be prepared. I think when you don't know, it makes it a lot more interesting. It certainly did. There's a lot of talking points now for the 49ers. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we'll see you next month. Keep following us. Follow us on Twitter. Rate and review us, please, on all the platforms. Please, Um, And, yeah, we're still here, so make sure you turn on those notifications. We've been getting fan mail. We've been getting a lot of fan mail. We've been getting some fan mail, so keep that fan mail coming. Um, I'm trying we to, got are, some suggestions. Some of them were good. Some of them were suggestions <laughs> that we read and we considered. Um, but yeah, follow us in Pitch Session Pod on Twitter. Um, yeah, and stay tuned for our next episode in March. Bye, Andrew. Bye, Kira.